Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to part two of our series titled Scroll here at The Aid. I want to start with some pretty eye-opening, crazy facts about us and our digital use of our phones. I am the first and foremost to be guilty of this, but listen to these crazy stats. An, a study that was done in 2017, okay, this, this is kind of old, a study done in 2017, this was their st statistics that they found out from doing the survey about our cell phone usage. We spend, on average, five years and four months of our lifetime just on social media. Just on social media, we spend approximately five years and four months in, in, in our, our average lifespan, we spent about five and a half years just on social media. Crazy stat. The amount of times we tap, swipe, zoom, touch, any, any, any touch that we have on our screen. On average, how many times do we touch or click, or not click, I guess, but how many times we either uh, tap, swipe, or click, I guess, on average. They use the word click, even though it's a screen. So the, the tap, swipe, or click. How many, how many of those touches that we have on our cell phone use every day? 2,617 on average. 2,600 touches on our phone daily, all right? Listen to these last two crazy statistics. Users spend on average two hours and 51 minutes a day on their smartphones. Approximately three hours every single day, we are on our screen. Three hours a day. We're spending on our screen. You can even go into your setting on your phone and you can be able to see how, how much time you're spending screen time wise and what apps you're using. But on average from this statistic in 2017 from the survey, approximately three hours of our day is on our phone. That is approximately 45 days every year purely on the phone. O over a month of, our, of, the, of the 12 month span, we're on our phone. Listen, I'm the, first, I'm, for, I'm the first one to be guilty of how much we use our phone, but I don't want anyone to feel guilty. Like we're moving more into a time and technology where now our phone is our key to, to so many different things, like to our, to our, maybe our car, to our house and so forth and so on. So it's becoming vital, maybe even to turn on the lights on our house. So it's, it's completely transformed the world we live in. But, but the goal of this series is for us to reassess to reassess our, our usage of our phones. Because for many of us, if you looked, especially if you watched part one from last week, we scroll and scroll and scroll and next app and multitask and picture in picture and watch a video while I'm doing this and on my phone while I'm watching TV to cover up, to mask reality, to run away from reality. It's a coping mechanism. It's a way for us to, to break away from just the, the headache and the anxiety and stress and maybe the pain in this world. And because of that, we have become emotionally unhealthy. We do not know how to look inside ourselves and how to assess emotions. It's hard. It's hard for us to look within ourselves. It's easy to cover it up by just being busy, by noise, by, by doing X, Y, and Z, scrolling. We take out my phone. We do it all the time. When we're bored, we take out our phone. It's a way to cope with just the stress and the uncertainty of this world. We even spiritualize this. Like there is a, a, a verse that St. That Paul said to the city of Rome. He told the Romans this. Listen, listen to the beautiful words of, of St. Paul being so open, being so vulnerable as he's writing this letter to the city of Rome in the first century. He says this, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Like St. Paul saying, like, I, I, I know what is good, 
but I can't get myself to do it because like I, I know there's only evil that dwells within me. And sometimes we can take that verse and go to town with it. We say, well, since there's nothing good inside of me, there's no good for me to do X, Y, and like since I'm bad inside, let me just try to cover up the bad within me by like doing this good or donate this or to help this person. But inside, I'm worthless. I'm the worst. I do all bad things. So let me just cover it up. Let me just try to balance it out by doing uh, X, Y, and Z, good thing externally. We do not want to look within ourselves. We just say, well, I'm a hopeless case. I'm always going to do the bad thing. I'm always going to disappoint others. So what's the use? Let me just cover it up by doing a couple of good things here and there just to make myself feel good from within. I can take any verse from the Bible and I can take it out of context and go to town with it to justify anything I want to believe or anything I want to do. So we, we can't just take that and just say that everything within me is bad. But the entire goal of this series is for us to say, okay, you know what? I am a divine reflection of God himself. I am made in the image and likeness of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I am a divine reflection of him. But you know what? Sometimes I, I, I'm off balance. Sometimes I do things that I regret. Sometimes I, and, 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 and I drift away from my original divine design. And I lose sight of God in me. I lose sight of me being an icon of him. And we cope with any emotion, anything that's within us, we try to cover it up. We mask it. We put white noise. We scroll on our phone. We try to run away from it instead of us trying to embrace the emotion or the flaw that's within us. Benjamin Franklin said these words many centuries ago, many years ago. There are three things that are extremely hard. Steel, a diamond, and to know one's self. It's a funny, weird three things that are very hard, but he's right. Steel, diamond, and for us to know ourselves, It is so hard. Our natural reflex is to cover it up, not to deal with it. That's annoying for me to look back, look back and, and see what occurred in my past. Why is this existing within me? Why am I feeling this way? That's hard. It's easier to cover it up. Psychologists have put a list of things that are markers that can indicate if we are masking emotions, if we are covering up emotions. In other words, markers to determine if we are emotionally unhealthy. Here's a list of some of these markers that they said. Some of these are true maybe for you and me. Number one, I say yes when I really mean no. Like when I'm supposed to say no to someone, I say yes just because I, I don't want to avoid any conflict or I want, them, I want to please them. I say yes when I really mean no. Number two, I get depressed when people are upset with me. I get depressed when people are upset with me. Point number three, I have a need to be approved by others to feel good about myself. I have a need to be approved by others in order for myself to feel good about myself. Number four, I believe that if I make mistakes, I myself am a failure. If I make one mistake and I let someone down or like I didn't come up to par, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. Number five, I criticize others in order to feel better about myself. I criticize others in order to feel better about myself. Man, don't we spiritualize this a lot, right? We tell some, we tell our friend, we tell family member, you know what, we should really pray for this person because like, yeah, I, I see that they posted this or they liked this post or I saw this about themselves, but we should really, really pray for them because, you know, they're really struggling with this or they have this wrong with their life. We're criticizing others in order to make ourselves feel good, to make us feel, man, look, see, my life is all together. 
but we're criticizing others, but we like to fluff it up and say, we should pray for them because I saw X, Y, and Z, or I heard they did X, Y, and Z. We like to spiritualize it. I criticize others in order for myself, for me to feel better about myself. Number six, I avoid looking weak or foolish for not having the answer. I avoid looking weak or foolish for not having the answer. Number seven, I have to be doing something exceptional to feel alive. I have to be doing something exceptional to feel alive. And the last marker that might be true for us to, to, to see if we are emotionally unhealthy, I have to be needed in order to feel alive. I have to be needed to feel alive. There is a, a, a king of the kingdom of Israel in the 11th century BC. His name is King Saul. If he went to a counselor or he went to a psychologist in this day and age, here is some of the diagnosis that would be used to describe this king or this ruler of Israel in the 11th century. Saul is not reflective. He's unaware of his fears. He has a toxic level of je jealousy within him. He is unaware of his inner life. He has a tendency to fall into self-deception. And lastly, he radiates negativity to those around him. Because of, of him being emotionally unhealthy within, it radiates negativity to those around him. This is true. This is the psychological analysis of King Saul, the first king uh, of the kingdom of Israel in the 11th century BC. I just want to say real recap, just bear with me for 90 seconds as I give a, a, a high level summary of an event that occurred. As him being king, God was speaking through Samuel, who was a prophet, and told uh, King Saul, he says, hey, King Saul, I need you to do, I need you to take over these areas. And I want you to go to battle with these areas. I want you to take over their stuff. These places are not good. I want you to, to take their stuff. But I, I actually, I don't want you to take their stuff. I want you to go into their, to, 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 to win the battle, to fight them. But do not take their cattle. Do not take their gold. Do not take their possessions. That is not for you to take. Like God was giving this command to Saul as he went to battle as, as, as a test of his obedience to God. So God said, I want you to go and fight, but I don't want you to take any other possession when you win the battle. Deal? King Saul said, yes, I got it, no problem. And he was telling Samuel, who was the messenger of God, says, don't worry, I got it. We're going to win the battles, but I'm not going to take any of this stuff. But he was pressured so much, he ended up taking it. But you know what? He spiritualized it. He says, you know what? I'm going to take the cattle. I'm going to take the gold. I'm going to take the possessions of, from the places that I won the battle in, and I'm going to give it back to God. You know, since I'm a nice person, I'm going to give it back to God. He completely disobeyed God, but he used, he, he, he used his own mind. He deceived himself to go against what God, because he said he justified saying, I'm giving it back to God. And today, he didn't listen to God. So, just as any of us, when we realize we're, we did something wrong, if we look within ourselves and acknowledge that we did something wrong, we come back to the love of God the Father, and we come with a repentant heart, right? King Saul, wise man, did the same. This is what King Saul said. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Beautiful. Great repentant heart is coming with a broken heart in order for him to be made whole and for him to, to, to come and, 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 and realign himself back with God. He lost tra track. He drifted away. He started doing things his own way and not obeying God. Okay, we're with you. Let's continue the verse. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words. Because I feared the people 
and obeyed their voice. What's his motivation now for coming with a repentant heart? It's not for, his, for, for refining the inner being of who he is. His motivation, the catalyst for him to come to God with a repentant heart, is because of the other people. It's not for himself. So God, being God, can see right through that. Because he's not desiring external things from us. He's not desiring for us to do the right thing externally. He's desiring the heart. He's desiring us to be emotionally and spiritually healthy within, for us to see the inner life within us. But he's masking that. He's covering that. Why? To order, in order to please others. His motivation is to please others. And that's what's driving his entire agenda for everything he does. Maybe for a lot of us, we can relate. He was masking an authentic, repentant life by being driven by other people. An early Christian from, uh, from Algeria in, in, in the 5th century, he said these words. His name is St. Augustine. Love his story. You can check it out later. We've talked about him many times here at The Eight. He said these beautiful words. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Like he, he's putting the connection of two. He's like, I have to know myself in order for me to know the love of God the Father. Like the, the two have to go hand in hand. So he's putting so much emphasis of introspection in order for me to know who the uncreated father being is. The beautiful thing if we look at the, the life of King Saul is, and we can kind of relate maybe, maybe we're driven by unhealthy motives, maybe just to please someone else, or maybe we're masking an emotion and we're wanting to suppress it by, 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 by noise, by being busy, by scrolling, by just being busy by external things. Maybe we're driven just to get more likes, just to get more followers, maybe just to, 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 to please others, and maybe that's our motive. King Saul realized within himself, and so many people throughout world history, and if we look especially in the Bible, of people who have who have realized within them flaws of them trying to mask an emotion or mask a sin within them and trying to cover it up. But you know what? We're in great company. Listen to this beautiful list. Abraham lied. Hosea's wife was a prophet, was a prostitute. Peter rebuked God. Noah got drunk. Jonah was a racist. Jacob lied. Elijah burnt out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Thomas doubted. We are in great company to be surrounded by those who were broken. Maybe we're trying to cover up an emotion, trying to cover up a flaw, just trying to stay busy, not wanting, not wanting or desiring to look within themselves. But once what makes them great, what makes these, these icons that are around me, why we honor them and venerate them today, not because of, of, of them masking their own issues or masking an emotion or masking a sin. It's how they reconnected in the inner life back with God the Father. That's what makes them great. And that's what makes you and me great is I can come at any time to be made whole again. And, and for me to, to assess within me, am I just trying to stay busy? Am I just scrolling away to cover up what do I need to do or what, how for me to look inside myself? But, but for us to come with an open heart, for us to look inside ourselves.
There was an early Christian, another one called Saint Basil, he, uh, in around the year 360. Saint Basil was was a prominent, influential uh, Christian leader in the early centuries of the church, and actually he was a, a huge influence on 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 writing or putting together something called the Nicene Creed, or the what we know today as being uh, the Orthodox Creed. This is our mission statement as Orthodox Christians. So he had a huge part in putting this together in the early centuries um, in the Council of Nicaea. He said these beautiful words in a, in a sermon, in a homily called, Give heed to thyself. Give heed to thyself. Listen to these beautiful words. Scrumpulous attention to yourself will be of itself sufficient to guide you to the knowledge of God. Let me just take time out. The word scrumpulous, which is such a great word. I love how the translation for St. Basil's quote is so spot on, which is a careful and decisive attention. Careful attention to yourself will be of itself sufficient to guide you to the knowledge of God. You want the knowledge of God. You want to pursue the mind and heart of the uncreated being who we call Father. What will be sufficient for me to attain the knowledge of God is for me to be, have, to be, for me to be attentive to myself. This will guide me. These are the words of St. Basil. Scrupulous attention to yourself will be of itself sufficient to guide you to the knowledge of God. If you give heed to yourself, you will not need to look for signs of the creator and the structure of the universe. For us to pursue more to life, why am I here? Why does this happen? Why do bad things happen? All those type of external focus questions is what drives every single human being because we are spiritual beings because we have the DNA of God, the triune God within us. So. As we pursue these questions, how does a heartbeat begin in the fetus? You know, why is the axis of the earth at this angle? And if it was off by 0 0.001 degrees, everything would be thrown off. We wouldn't exist. So all these type of questions of us, you know, uh, you know, studying the, the galaxies and the universe, all this stuff allows us or invites us to find God. And we can use science in the same way. Studying science allows us to see a glimpse of who God is. But St. Basil is saying, for us to take heed of ourselves. You won't need to, to, to pursue God in all of this. All that's fine. But if I take heed of myself, if I, if, if I practice introspection, if I make that a, a virtue of, as in a miniature replica of cosmic order, you will contemplate the great wisdom of the creator. I love the words of St. Basil. Within us, is a miniature replica of the cosmic order. Like the profound depth and beauty and mystery that exists in, in the universe and all its galaxies that we still study till today, the depth is also in my heart. But sometimes I mask that. Sometimes I cover that. And just, just, just busy, on the go, and noise, and, and run, and, and, and always all moving on to the next thing. Do, 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 right? That, that's, just our ta that, that's just how we're wired. Because it's easier to, have, to, to move in that direction as opposed to pausing, practicing silence for me to look within myself. If I take heed of myself to look within me, then I can see the creator of the universe within me. But in yourself, as in a miniature replica of cosmic order, you will contemplate the great wisdom of the creator. Maybe some of you don't know uh, of an old um, sitcom back in the day called Family Matters. And, and the highlight of the show was Steve Urkel, all right, when he's, did I do that? And Steve Urkel was always, that was like his tagline, did I do that? He would do a mistake and he said, did I do that? 
I want to kind of, you know, add a twist to that question. Instead of asking yourself, did I do that? Why did I really do that? Why did I do that? Really? Why did I say that? Like, really? Why did I post that? Really? Why did I put that comment? Really? What am I masking? What am I covering up? What am I wanting to put my focus on instead of looking within myself? What am I wanting to, to, to cover up? Am I just wanting to, to point fingers, uh, just put all the focus on external things without me looking and pausing within me to look inside myself? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Really? You have to add the word really. Why did I say that? Really? Why did I do that? Really? We have to ask ourselves that question, not in just a, yeah, why did I, no, at a, at, a, at a deeper level. For us to pause, that can only exist if we pause, take heed of ourselves, introspect, and look within ourselves. If we don't, we're going to end up like Saul, that he, he was so blinded by his motives that he lost sight of, of, of coming to God with an authentic, repentant heart. He lost sight of what God has asked him to do, and he was unable to, that just led him to continue to drift, to drift, to drift. Next week, we'll look at someone who did the exact opposite of Saul. But that's what led to Saul's failure. It wasn't bad luck or God did this to his life. No, he, he masked, he scrolled through life. He kept himself with just noise and busyness and, and, and the wrong things. It, allowed him to, it didn't allow him to see the flaw that's within his heart. Since he never saw that, it led him to self-destruction. I want us to ask ourselves, why did I really say that to my spouse? Why did I really do that? Why did I really want to get back with a witty comment to that person? Why? If we ask ourselves that question, this is where we can get a glimpse of the Creator, who is our Father. I want us, over the next seven days, for us to put in prayer the words of St. Augustine. This was his prayer. It's a one-liner. This was his prayer. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, so that I may know you. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, so I can know you. Or grant, Lord, that I can know myself, so I can know you. If we can say these words of St. Augustine and live this, because if we want to attain more to life than ourselves, if we want to pursue the love of God the Father, it begins with us looking within ourselves. Why did I do that? Why did I say that for real? What's my motive behind doing that, by saying that? What am I trying to cover up? What am I trying to avoid and looking inside myself for? But if we can look inside ourselves, then we can know ourselves, and ultimately, it doesn't end at that. It doesn't end at just us knowing ourselves just for us to know ourselves. Like, self-meditation is good. Mindfulness is good. But all that's a precursor for us to know who God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is because we are the icon of Him. We are the reflection and beauty of Him and that exists within us. And we all drift away from that. We all fall short and, 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 and move away from that with our life being out of balance. But if we can build into the rhythm of our life and our routine to pause and for us to look at ourselves and ask ourselves these questions, because if I know myself, then I can know God. Let us bow our heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it is so easy for us to just be busy with life, always on the go, focusing on the ne next task, the next project, the next thing, the next promotion, the next whatever. It's easy for us to focus on that. But Lord, I pray for myself first and foremost that I can ask myself these questions. Why did I really say that? Why did I really send that text? Why did I really post that? 
what am I trying to get at? Like, what am I trying to cover up? Or what, what am I keeping myself busy with that I'm trying to avoid? But Lord, I pray that you can give us clarity for us to see that within ourselves. Because if we can see that within ourselves and see our flaws, see our sin, and we come and bring that to you with an authentic, genuine, repentant heart, this is where we can be made whole and have clarity on the beauty and vision of you in our lives. Through the prayers of your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys for attending the eight and hope to see you guys next week.